It's our last week in, in this series, and, uh, and so what's going on here with, with Lent, this is Holy Week, meaning we have been building up for six weeks up to this week. Because if you would, as we follow, as we follow the story of Jesus, today, Palm Sunday, is the day that we celebrate the day that Jesus he entered into the city. And in this story, it's kind of a loaded story, but we read it there in Matthew 21, where he comes in, and he comes in on this colt of a donkey, and everyone begins to sing these praises, and uh, there's coats that are put on the floor, and basically it's just, it's just big celebration, but for us it's kind of a, a mystery. We're not really exactly sure what's going on in this story. And so this morning, for us to understand God in general, but for us to understand uh, this story specifically, we have to understand symbols. Do we know what a symbol is? Everyone's, I think I do. <laughs> okay. So a symbol can be anything. It can be written. It can be an object, okay? It can be a gesture. A symbol is something that carries great meaning. The object of a symbol is to communicate, okay? It's the ability to send a message. And so this morning, I want to explain something to us. Objects can carry meaning, correct? So this bat can carry multiple meanings, so if I begin to walk aggressively towards someone with a bat, and we're not, there's no bases around, there's no, there's no field, there's no gloves. If I walk towards you with this bat, there is a certain message being conveyed. Agreed? Okay. It's not necessarily the most pleasant message that's being conveyed. Okay. Now, at the same time, let's go ahead and put this down. Everyone can breathe easy. If I walk up to my child with this, well, what is my child going to think? Oh, we're having soup tonight. <laughs> Correct? It's a spoon, right? I mean, again, a spoon has meaning, okay? It's a tool. We use it for things. But it can also, it can carry a message for me. Sometimes I don't even have to use a spoon, correct, in order for the spoon to communicate for me. Make sense? Now, even though this spoon can carry a certain meaning, now, if I were to change spoons out a little bit, say I were to come at my child with this spoon. <laughs> Not quite the same meaning, correct? You guys get it. Now, with the bat, and, you know, I had a belt in here just to really, you know, now if you saw me doing this with the belt, right? That's one thing. Saw me doing this with the belt. <laughs> now, if I've got the bat, but I pair it with this, Different message, correct? Now, the reason I went to all these extremes, because you guys know I hate using props, so don't get used to it. But the bat works, you know? Okay. What's going to happen throughout this morning if, if I see you guys falling asleep? I'm just going to get the bat and walk through the aisles. It's very slowly, you know? <laughs> Walking Dead fans, anybody? Everyone's like, we don't watch that. We're followers of Jesus. We're nonviolent. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, symbols are important for us because we follow a God who is just, he's just big, right? He's big and he's complex. Oh, goodness. There are, there are so many facets of who God is. And so in the scriptures, we get all these different images and pictures and symbols. And the idea is that he's not just one of them. We can't just take one symbol to understand who God is. Um, 
For example, in the Scriptures, uh, the book of Revelation, we see this imagery of Christ and His bride. Now, if I were to tell you that this is the image that we have to understand God in, okay? He is coming as the groom, and we are the bride. For many of you, that might work a little bit. There would be some men in here who would be a little uncomfortable picturing themselves with a gown. Correct? One of the, uh, the images in Scripture that I used to have a hard time with was friend. I still to this day have a natural issue seeing myself as God's friend. But it's in there. Seeing God as a father. It's very easy for some of us to kind of to connect to God in that image, in that symbol. When we see the word father, we think of all these fond things with the earthly father we had. But then there's others of us who didn't have a good relationship with our father or who had an absent father. And so every time we see that symbol in the Scriptures, we just don't quite get what it's trying to say about who God is. And so the Scriptures are full of all these different symbols of who God is. He's fire and He's wind. He's silence and He's an earthquake. And He's human. And yet He's spirit. And it goes on and on and on. And it's very difficult for us to kind of decipher who God really is. And so in the Scriptures, we have to understand that there are so many symbols that are being communicated to us. And symbols are tricky because a symbol can have multiple meanings, correct? And so it's very important how we handle symbols. Because a symbol in the Scriptures, if we misunderstand it, can mean one thing, correct? But if we pair a symbol with another symbol, it creates an entirely different image of who God is. Now, Palm Sunday in the Scriptures, his, his entry into the city, is one of the most symbolic moments in, in the entire story of Jesus. Uh, if you would, it's the culmination of all of the, the thousands of years in the Old Testament that have all built up to this moment. It's the culmination of his life his teachings. It takes every one of his parables and his encounters, and it takes all of them, and it all kind of meets in this moment. And so because of that, uh, his entry has the chance to be a very rich place for us to see who God is. But at the same time, there's so many symbols that are taking place here, and it's very easy for this place, for this occurrence, to be a place where we get a, a, a mixed up image of who God is. So, in this story, there's a few symbols I want to talk about. The first one I want to talk about is the context. It's Passover. Have you guys heard Passover before? Okay. Now, with Passover, this feast was primarily about celebrating the, the day that God freed Israel from Egypt. Now, uh, for us as Christians, we think about Passover a lot as the moment where the blood is kind of put over the doorpost. And so, you know, the idea of being uh, forgiven of sins. But it's important for us to understand, in this moment, Passover, the meaning, the symbol of Passover is carrying a very important symbol of freedom. It's almost like, imagine yourself in a jail cell, 
Uh, Passover was celebrating the day that God, he opened up the door to the cell so that they could walk out. Passover is a celebration of freedom, of a God who led their, his people out of bondage. And so in this, the day that Jesus comes in, is, it's a week before Passover. And so he's coming at the same time that many people are heading into the same city, and they're all heading here to celebrate this feast. The entire week it builds up uh, to Passover. And so the first symbol we have to understand is this. The people who are around Jesus have one thing in their mind. When they think about why Jesus is coming down the road on this day, they are thinking freedom. And so when they see, here comes Jesus, the first word that you need to think in your head when you see the story, freedom. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Now, second symbol that's going on here, okay, is the palms. Have you guys ever wondered, like, why it's called Palm Sunday? Yeah? It, yeah, it's a palm. Have you guys ever wondered? No, no one cares at all about palms. Have you ever wondered why around Easter, all of a sudden, Walmart is full of palm trees? Okay. Wow. Very observant group we have here. <laughs> and so what happens here is that the palm, these palms were a symbol that were tied to the, the dynasty of David. Okay? So the idea was this. This palm was symbolic of when David and his forces would enter into a city, the palms were connected to celebrating this kingship. And again, you know, there's all sorts of imagery that goes in uh, to this as well. But again, it's a symbol for the Jew of the person God is going to choose to lead them out into freedom. Because it's going to have to be someone from the line of David. And so when the palms are, are being waved, what's being symbolized is this is the man that God has chosen to free us. Now, at the same time, the next symbol that we have to understand is the entry, meaning why is he having to ride on a donkey? Now, in this time in history, understand that kings had this practice. This practice, it's a show of force. So what a king would do when they are either on their way to battle or after they have won a battle, they would enter into the city through the western gate, and that's all. That's some other symbols. And they would enter in on their mighty war horse, and they would have their legions of soldiers. Have you guys ever seen the uh, Cold War propaganda in Russia? You guys are old enough? Okay. Yes, nod. Yeah, you, you saw it, right? So like on TV, you'd see it. They come through with, with the missiles, and like the soldiers are marching. North Korea still does it, right? I mean, like, have you seen it? Oh, Lord of mercy. Okay. Yes. Connection. It's the same symbol. It goes all the way back, okay? And again, it's a show of force, okay? It is showing the might of that king, of that leader. Now, what's so interesting about this symbol, okay, is when the kings would come through, they would come through, again, with a symbol of why they are king. Meaning, if I come through with, with my horse and I have my legions of armies, this is why I am king because I have this. Make sense? Okay. I'm going to go win this battle, or I just won this battle because of everything that I have, because I have strength. Now, what's funky about the entry here with Jesus is he comes in and he's riding, okay? And of course, he's got his disciples, his 
fishermen and tax collectors. And he comes in, and the people who join in behind Jesus, as he comes through, the people who kind of jump in line and, you know, just kind of like run with him, okay? Children, women, average folk. And so here, here comes King Jesus, a symbol of why he is, why he's king. Look at my fishermen and my children and women. Hey, hey, come on, don't be sexist. But it's not something that would intimidate you. The next symbol that's going on here is what he's riding. Have you ever wondered, like, why it was important for him to ride the colt of a donkey? Ever? No one? Okay. If you guys have your Bibles, go to Zechariah 9. Zechariah 9, verse 9. Old Testament prophet. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. Your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal, the baby of a donkey. Now, what's interesting about Matthew is that with Matthew, and I think Mark as well, he actually leaves out the part about righteous and victorious. And he puts into his little line, he puts in lowly and riding on a donkey. When you see a nice burly man, and he's riding a, a large stallion, okay? Think of a Clydesdale since it's the south, right? Okay, okay. <laughs> so he's, he's riding a Clydesdale. What is it supposed to communicate to you? That symbol says strength, power, manly, right? Okay, let's modernize a little bit. Okay, so when the guy drives up to the bar and he's on his hog, okay, like his Harley Davidson, the symbol he's trying to send is, I'm a man. <laughs> if you have a Harley, I apologize. I just, sorry. Okay. So if you pulled up on a scooter and you parked it, okay. I mean, like, it's not the same symbol, right? Okay. So you get what I'm trying to say. It carries meaning. So with Jesus, when he rides in on the donkey, first of all, he's connecting himself to this prophecy, which means for everyone who's watching, they are all aware of the Old Testament prophecies, okay? And so when they see him coming in, okay, on the foal, on the baby of a donkey, and if you ever wondered, he rides in with both of them in the story, meaning he's riding the baby donkey, but he's holding, okay, the, 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 the uh-oh, some words I don't know. Uh, he is bringing with him the female donkey, right? The mama donkey. He's bringing both, okay? He wants to make sure that no one misses what's going on here, okay? Because if you were to ride you know, a baby donkey, someone could think, well, that's just a short donkey, right? I mean, I don't know if it's a young donkey or not. So he brings the mama donkey and he rides the baby donkey. Again, he's connecting himself to the Old Testament prophecy. What he's saying is, I am God's king, okay? I am the one that you've been waiting for for thousands of years to free you. Remember Passover? Freedom? I'm the one you've been waiting for who's going to free you. Now again, the, the context matters here. Who do the Jews need to be freed from? 
It's not their sins because they have sacrifices. They are sinless. They are fine, okay? The priest goes in once a year, and he offers a sacrifice. They're good when it comes to sin. So what do the Jews need freed from? Caesar, the Romans, the legions. Because what's so funny about this, in the background, okay, you've got the crowds of everyone dancing, and, you know, they've got the palm branches. In the background, what you have is Roman soldiers standing watching with their pikes, with their shields. And this is the backdrop of what's happening here. These people are celebrating as this king comes through, and they're saying, he's going to kick your Now, the other meaning in this symbol of the donkey, which is kind of hidden to us, that we, we don't really understand it until after uh, he goes to the cross, is that he is writing a symbol of servitude. Meaning, what do you use a donkey for? Work, right? How many stories start off with the night riding into battle on his donkey. There's other words for donkey that, you know, we can, it, it's church, we can't use that word. A donkey is used for farm work, correct? It's a beast of burden, okay? It's a servant animal. Now, a, a stallion, a mighty war horse, do they take the war horse, and they have them go tread the grain. No. It has one purpose. War and conquest. And so when he rides in on this donkey, he is making a connection between what he is about to do, okay, and what they thought he was going to do. He is connecting himself to the role of a servant. Now the Gospel of Mark he does this over and over again. He puts this all through his gospel where he talks about the suffering servant of God. The kind of king that Jesus is going to be is a servant king. Whereas everything that the world has ever known is a conquering king. Now he's going to conquer, but he's going to conquer in a way that the world has never seen before. And so, as we begin to add up all these different symbols, if we take just one symbol, if we just take the fact that he's riding in, if we just take the palm branches, then we think to ourselves, he's the king who's coming to defeat Rome. He is going to pull out the sword. He is going to slay this terrible, bad enemy. But when, when we begin to add all the symbols together, it begins to lead us to something. What they didn't understand was that the breadcrumbs, if you would, the symbols were already pointing to the cross. They were already pointing to what he was going to do, but they just didn't see it yet. Now, for us today, you know, I, I want to break down all these symbols and all this kind of stuff. You know, I go through this for one reason. I could probably say this entire sermon in like one minute, probably. The problem is, is that we've all heard it before. And so it just kind of goes like that. But if I kind of dig a little bit with us and I kind of show you that there's things that you think you know what it means, you think you know what this is for, to bash someone's head in, <laughs> correct? But when you realize that he's not only holding a bat, he's holding 
a glove. You get the, uh, the idea. It, it makes your wheel start spinning. Wait, so you're saying I don't fully understand what's going on here. Now, it's important. Because if we don't fully understand the symbols, then we don't have the right image of who God is. Does that make sense? And so here on Palm Sunday, the first thing I want to accomplish for us is I want to make sure that we have the right image of the kind of God, the kind of king that we're here to celebrate. Next Sunday is Easter. It is the, the pinnacle of the Christian faith. It embodies everything that we hope for as Christians. And it embodies that, and it only makes sense if we understand Palm Sunday. Easter Sunday only makes sense if we understand Palm Sunday. I never used to understand Easter. I remember we used to come to church on Easter Sundays, and it was a lot of fun. Everyone was, you know, everyone showed up to church. That was great. And, uh, you know, like everyone dressed nicely. And then we get up there and we talk about the blood and the cross and his sacrifice and our sins and his love. And then we would just go home and I'd be like, okay, I understand this, but why, why the resurrection? If all that, if he's coming for our sins and he's going to die for us, then why did he have to be, why have to rise again? What did this have to do with any of it? We're going to go into more of that next Sunday, but the one thing I want to kind of hit on here is that the main message that's being sent on this, on this day in the Scriptures is one, is that we have a king who is coming to lead us out, to free us. And secondly, we have a king who's going to do that. He's going to free us in a way that no king has ever freed or won or conquered anything before. And third, in the same way that the crowds were, you know, worshiping and excited, and as he, as he kind of passed, everyone kind of got in line and kind of just followed him through the streets. As we get in line, if you would, to follow this king, we have to understand what we're following him into. And since we know how the story ends, we know exactly where this, if you would, this conga line is heading to. I don't think they would have been celebrating the same way if they knew exactly where it was going to end up. I think if he would have told them, hey, guess, I'm glad you guys are excited. We're going straight to get crucified, you know. I'm not sure if the celebrating and the cheers and the chants would have continued. And what's even more true about this is few of those people actually made it through the week following Jesus. There are only a few people who followed him all the way to the mountain. There are only a few people who followed him all the way to the cross. And even beyond that, there are only a few people who ever even were willing to follow this king the path that he went. And if you understand what Palm Sunday means, you'll understand what Easter means. And if you understand what Easter means and what Palm Sunday means, that means that you will follow Jesus in the same way that his disciples did. Only John was the one who wasn't crucified out of all those apostles. John got it easy. 
He was abandoned on an island alone, and he got to die alone. Not too bad. You could, I mean, choose, right? Would you, would you like to get crucified, or would you like to die on an island alone? You guys are really excited, right? Palm Sunday, can't wait. Mercy. Here's the first thing. As we understand these symbols correctly, as we get Palm Sunday right, we see a king who has all the power in the world. He has all the armies in the world. If he wanted to wipe someone out, if he wanted to take evil and just to kill it, to cut its head off, he could have done that right then and there. We have a God who has complete access to all the force and the violence and the weapons and the power and all of of creation, and he chooses... He chooses to symbolize the kind of king he is, the kind of God he is, by going to the cross and laying himself down for us. So in this, you know what? There are multiple symbols of who God is in the Scriptures. He's a father. He's, he's the bridegroom. He's a friend. He's, you know, he's fire. He's, he's righteous. He's holy. He's loving. He's all these things. But the ultimate symbol in all the Scriptures is Jesus. And the ultimate image, the, ult- the moment where God says, I want you to see this is who I am, is the cross. Remember, it's not just about your sins. The cross is not saying, look how crappy you are. I love you so much that, you know, you're just so crappy. Yeah. I love you. You piece of, you know. <laughs> oh, come on, that was funny. I, <laughs> this is church. I didn't say it, by the way. I just said you. There we go, waking up a little bit. Okay. It's not this moment where he, 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 he walks up to the cross and says, look, you are just so, I have to do this because you're just so filthy. What's amazing about the cross is that we do have these, these scriptures and understanding of who God is. We know that God could have accomplished things in multiple ways. He could have accomplished his plans by another flood, by the way, if he wanted to. These people are so filthy, we're just going to wash it. We're just going to power wash the earth. When you think of the cross, the first thing that needs to come into your mind is this is the first image that I need to go to of who God is. How he feels about me. How he relates to me. How he wants me to relate to him. He is a God who is willing to do, to go through these things because a, a motivation of love. And so, For Palm Sunday, the first thing for us to get out of this is that you need to understand that we follow, we pursue a God who is safe, who is loving, who is this image. Because if you get this image right, if you get this picture of who God is right, think about your fathers or your parents or whoever played a big role in your life. You can be shaped greatly by who, by your image of who someone is. 
If in your mind, when you think of your father, you think of someone who's coming at you with a bat, that greatly forms how you see that person, how you understand the world, how you see yourself, how you relate to the world, it, it shapes the rest of your future. If you see a father who's coming to you with a baseball bat and a glove, it greatly shapes the world to you. Who this person is to you, what they want for you, how to relate to them, how to talk to them. And so the first goal for you guys this morning is to get the right image of who God is. The second thing to do this morning for us is to not just get the image of God right, but if we get the image of God right, now we can begin to relate to God right. Think of the good relationships in your life. Those relationships got deeper, more enjoyable, more rewarding as your image of that person changed. That person might have been the exact same person that they always were, but the moment that you had that conversation, that you had that moment with that person, whether it's your spouse or your parent or a friend, the moment that you realize that this person is someone who genuinely cares about me, this person is for me, this person is safe, I can trust this person, this person loves me, you know, this person wants to, to protect me, the moment that you realize that, the moment that your vision of who that person is became clearer, now you're able to relate to them in a deeper way. You need to see who God is so that you know how to interact, how to relate to this God. And third, as we begin to see God clearly, we begin to relate to Him uh, purely, if you would. We begin to, to have this free interaction and connection with who God is what begins to happen naturally after that is we begin to imitate God purely. Um, whether we like it or not, the, the how do you put that? Whether you had a good relationship with your parents or not, with your friends, with your spouse, we begin to imitate what we receive in those relationships. It's kind of a hard truth, but some of us, you know, in this room who had a, who had a poor relationship with our father or our, our mother, we might not have been able to stand this person. It might have been painful and it hurt us, but we will begin to imitate that with our children. Even if we hated it, there's something about connecting with someone that begins to form who we are. How your marriage is going affects how your parenting goes. Have you guys experienced this? Okay? How you learn to relate to one person changes how you relate to others. If you don't have a good friend in your life, the odds are you're not able to be a good friend. Does that make sense? No? I'm not asking for much. Just a nod or a shake or this even. If you have a good parent in your life, the odds are you are able to be a good parent, and vice versa. If you have a relationship where you know intimacy, you're able to trust and to share things and to be vulnerable, then you're able to do this in other places. What happens with God, if we're able to see a God who we can trust, we can communicate with, 
we can lean on, we can count on, we can relate to, as we have a God that we can connect to, it begins to form how we connect and relate to everyone else. If I could just help you see God right, and, and, and you begin to connect to God, I wouldn't have to teach you how to connect to your friends or to your spouse or to your kids. It would naturally happen. And so for us, the challenge is, again, the challenge is to allow the Scriptures to bring into focus who God is so that we can connect to God. And after we connect to God, we will begin to be formed to be like God. When we talk about symbols, one of the first symbols in the Scriptures is man. And it's a loaded story, but whenever you see God, He comes and He creates and He forms and He, he creates this entire world. He, he does these amazing things, but He puts something right in the middle of it. And He calls it Adam, Adam, from the earth. And He puts man in the center of this. And what we miss in all this is He creates this amazing world, but He puts a symbol of who He is in the middle of it. Now, yes, I mean, like who God is is in the stars and in the water. It's in the earth. It's in, you know, all these different things. But there's something special about us. From the beginning, we were always meant to mirror who God is. If you notice in your own lives, you have great ability to, to build people up or to tear them down. And if I could summarize Genesis to Revelation, it's that we would be in right connection with God to where we would mirror God. To where we would get back to the place to where we begin to behave and to where, if you would, who God is just kind of comes out of us and from us and through us. And so for us, if you would, connecting to God and allowing God to be to flow through us, the way that the Apostle Paul puts it, that we would be formed into the image of Christ. It starts with us getting the cross right, with us getting the entry right. This is a God of love, selflessness, humility. And then as we begin to look back at all his teachings, it all begins to connect. And all of a sudden, we realize that as he's riding on this donkey, as he's heading to a horse, he is embodying what he was preaching. That we would love God with everything in us, that we would get this right. And that when we get this right, we would what? Love our neighbor. That we would love God, we would connect with God, and it would flow out from us and we would operate in love. Would you guys stand with me this morning?